and welcome to this edition of Spotlight. My name is Chelsea. And I'm Rogan. If this is your first time checking out Spotlight, this is an offshoot of the Prognos podcast where we chat with some incredible artists and musicians in the progressive rock scene. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you to all of the Prognos patrons for helping these episodes happen. Check out what the benefits of becoming a patron are at patreon.com slash prognotes. Today's special guest is Grace Hayhurst, here to talk about her debut release, Existence is Temporary. Glad to have you on, Grace. Thanks for having me. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, so I am a musician. <laughs> I think that's probably obvious if I'm here. Um, from a young age, I've always kind of been interested in all things musical, um, and a lot of my upbringing was more in the classical uh, side of things. So I grew up playing uh, classical piano and French horn and played in a lot of uh, orchestras and doing more orchestral things. Um, all the while I was listening to other bands and kind of a very different genre of music to what I was playing. Um, so I kind of, you know, was playing Rachmaninoff by day and then by night I'd go home and start listening to some Ramstein and just... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I need to readjust my uh, musical skills and work out how I make music like the music I listen to and not just like get stuck in the classical world. So yeah, um, I've done a bit of a, a pivot and have ended up in this weird kind of guitar synth fusion and yeah, it's all kind of gone a bit. Well, I'm glad you ended up there because it sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm really pleased with it. I've been saying for years, uh, like, this is this is the time, this is, like, New Year's resolution, I'm going to release some music. Um, that's probably been my New Year's resolution for the best part of about seven or eight years. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I got close, but I kind of got to the point, particularly with the pandemic uh, over the last year, where I was like, look, I've got more time than ever because my social life has evaporated. <laughs> if I don't do it now, if I don't learn all these skills, you know, I've finally gotten to a point where I've got enough gear and equipment to record at home. You know, if I don't do it, like, when am I going to do it? So that kind of kick-started me into gear. And uh, yeah, there we go. You made it happen. The French horn, though, that's an interesting instrument. <laughs> yes, yeah. So um, I've actually, <laughs> that's the instrument I've probably played the most. Um, definitely live, I've played it the most. I've played a lot of concerts with it. Um, I've even done a wow. couple of tours around Europe uh, with a couple of orchestras, and that was like uh, amateur orchestras, I should say, you know, not not with the BBC Symphony Orchestra or anything too exciting. Um, but yeah, I really love the instrument, but um, I've not been able to play it the past few years, um, partly because of the pandemic, um, but also because I <laughs> got punched in the face and three of my front teeth are like pretty damaged. Oh no! So oh, no. It's kind of like. It's not ended it, but um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of at the end point of trying to fix some of the dental treatment for that. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, the French horn has been a footrest for the last like two years or so. Is while the... I've uh, been trying to get that sorted. Is there an interesting story about how you got punched in the face, or am I being too intrusive? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've spoken about it before. I mean, I got mugged basically. Like, oh. it wasn't that exciting. Um, and yeah, I got punched pretty badly in the face. So. Um, yeah, three of my teeth are pretty damaged, and it's taken a lot of, like, back and forth with dental work to get it to where it's at mm -hmm. at the moment. 
Um, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it sucks basically because I put so much time into the French horn, and now it's like I'm kind of scared to try and go back to it because of the air pressure. If that's going to start dislodging some of like quite sensitive teeth fittings, so ah. I'm kind of glad about six years ago um, or five six years ago is when I started picking up guitar properly and have kind of like pivoted. So I've still got like two instruments that I'm pretty proficient in. Mm. Um, and you know, I've I've done a lot of stuff with French horn, so it's it's fine. You know, I've I've done a couple of tours. Um, there was uh, one time I was part of a band where we entered in the World Music Championships, uh, which was in the uh, small town called Kerkraden in the south of the Netherlands, um, and we got the highest score of any UK entrant that year. Um, and it's Ow. kind of a weird thing. It's like the Olympics of uh, wind bands, where you kind of get. You know, it happens once every four years and they kind of take over this town and there's all these like really gorgeous <laughs> venues with like ridiculous acoustics. Um, and it kind of turns into a huge like kind of classical music festival. But uh, yeah, it's I've done a lot of cool stuff with it. Um, I think maybe I'll get back to it at some point. But yeah, I kind of just need to wait for my teeth to settle a bit. I, mean, I hope you are able to get back to it one day soon. Because I can't imagine putting that much time and effort into something and then just having to walk away from it by not your own choice, but some bastards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always my worst nightmare as a child. It's like, like, okay, which limb can I lose and like still be able to be a musician? Like, mm. I worked mm -hmm. out I can probably lose a foot. Like, that'd be all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, I definitely couldn't lose a hand. Like, no way I could still play piano with that. So that would suck. Um, yeah. Didn't, didn't consider teeth. That wasn't on my, like, I need to protect these at all costs, you know? Well, <laughs> teeth aren't a limb, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this is true. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I do have... We do have a few questions for you about your album, though, if you don't mind me pivoting in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed you used a bit of the Doppler effect throughout the album. It seems to build suspense um, from the sirens at the beginning, but I noticed that Throughout the album, you use your guitar to make the same kind of Doppler effect. And I was wondering, like, A, am I even right about that? <laughs> and B, what inspired you to use this kind of sound? So I'm trying to think. I think at the start, right at the start, there's, yeah, um, ambulance sirens and a kind of a very bizarre sample of, I don't know, some child screaming in a playground, if you listen very mm -hmm. closely. And um, that was kind of like a representation of like I came to a point I think in 2018 um where I was just having like an existential crisis and I was like what is happening and like <laughs> I was just completely like what's the point of anything like what am I doing like where am I um and that was kind of the yeah kind of supposed to be an almost an introduction of like okay nothing's real like what happens now um and there's like kind of a bit of a journey but um it's 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 hard to uh depict um a story with instrumental music um i think i've tried my best <laughs> i think you did um, a good job yeah i'm really pleased with how i managed to do that uh the vocal samples and stuff definitely helped mm -hmm. shocking them in but the um other continuing feature throughout the EP is there's uh, a heartbeat that kind of 
it's intertwined in a few places, I think it's in the outro of the first track, comes back in the fourth track. Um, and that's kind of like, I think it's in the intro of the first track as well actually. And that's kind of the sort of ongoing little continuation in the background to try and like link everything together. Yeah, you have all these elements that like tie everything together and it's really remarkable. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's interesting, like I remember at school, um, analyzing books and they're like you know i don't know dorothy went to the shops like this represents the downfall of like kazakhstan or something and i'm like <laughs> no it doesn't like what are you talking about like there's no way the artist is trying to be that clever and now i'm out here like creating my own stuff i'm like oh but i could put in all of these like tiny little hidden things and like and now you are th now you are the artist trying to be that clever oh yeah it's it's i've become my worst nightmare basically <laughs> Your cigar is not just a cigar. Oh no, no, no! That um, yeah, that represents the um, the rise of the planet of the apes. I don't know. <laughs> yes. So while we're in there, uh, what is sort of the the story that's revolving around those sampled voice clips and, and and like especially over like the last two tracks and stuff? Like it sounds like somebody has maybe like disappeared or been like pushed out of the spotlight uh and like is that story carried across into your music video for yeah a little bit so yeah the music video for where am i um was basically a kind of a bit of storytelling trying to represent like just existentialism running in my everyday life like why am i working why am i getting dressed like why am I looking after myself? Like, what's the point? You know, does anything even matter? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of explored a bit further um, in the lyrics of the track existence is temporary. You know, what will you do to make your mark is something that runs through my mind a lot. You know, because after I die, I can't do anything else on the world. You know, that's it. I've been but thinking about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's um, something that's run through my mind for a long, long time, mm -hmm. and it's it's quite a stressful thing to try and think about. Um, and I think I've especially faced that with death in the family in the past couple of years. Um, and actually, I think about three weeks before releasing, my cat died, and that was like Ouch. pretty devastating I'm sorry. as well. So it's like just that constant, like, what am I leaving behind? Like, how am I making the world a better place? What can I do to like make things better than they were when I joined the world, the universe. Um, and yeah, that's kind of explored there. And so that's, those are kind of my internal monologue, my existential thoughts um, in that mm -hmm. track. And then almost a sense of purgatory as well. Like I'm, I'm on my deathbed and it's too late. Um, and then at the end of that track, the heartbeats stop. Um, and yeah, and the final track, um, Death is Final, aptly named um there are a handful of vocal samples in there as well some from friends like just really good old friends that i've got a lot of love for um mm -hmm. but also a couple of special guests from the um progressive music scene so there's a couple of members from like novena and slice the cake a couple of other little secret snippets in there um oh that's awesome and that kind of whole like idea was you know someone goes into a cafe and they say hey do you remember Grace Hayhurst and like maybe a couple of people do maybe you know maybe it's 
but a lot of people are like, no, never heard of this person, like, don't know who it is. And it's kind of the idea that over time you kind of fade more and more into into nothingness, into the abyss. And it's honestly quite horrifying, but uh, yeah, the less I think about it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the better my day is, so. That seems to be a really progressive rock concept over the last few years with like Stephen Wilson and, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of these guys like Leprous touches on it it seems a lot uh, but yeah like just that uh, will I be remembered have I made my mark enough that I am ingrained in like I guess my own history yeah it's tricky to think about it as well because you know you go further back and you think okay well what musicians were remembered in the 1700s and okay there's maybe a handful of 20 20 musicians from that 100 year period that they're all old dead white guys yeah basically um <laughs> and now it's like well there's more music being recorded than ever before in you know history there's so much music out there there's so many artists so many musicians you know even in the um progressive rock the progressive metal scene like how many people are, are going to be remembered you know is, is jeff downs going to be remembered for the the one album he did on yes in 1980 like maybe you know it's, and then um, it's further even harder to think about or talk about because in our society we're not really used to talking about death it makes a really tricky concept like this album makes me feel my feelings <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah the more i think about it it's just like the more horrifying it is but it's, yeah um, it's been a very cathartic process to kind of get some of these thoughts and some of these experiences and put it into a piece of art and just be like this now exists like here are all my thoughts like just and just put it in a box and like maybe revisit it at some point but at least i can return to this kind of box of music and say like this is this is what i'm thinking at this moment in time um and that's been mm-hmm. great to be able to do well speaking of your box of music, this album has an incredible dynamic range and use of oral textures, such as uh, what sounds like an electric clavinet uh, on negative incline and getting into a doom metal territory with the search for purpose. I was wondering what the influences behind the broad expanse of sounds featured on this record were. I mean, uh, so much. (laughs) Like, if I had to try and pick out some of my influences, um, I think the guitars the biggest influence has to be Tosca. Um, very sadly, they've now split up as of like this week. Um, <sighs> I'm completely gutted about that. They released one EP and one album. Um, but a lot more people will probably have heard of Rabia Massad, who's their guitarist, who's all over YouTube. Um, and he really, you know, seeing Tosca a few years back live, just really was like, okay, right, this is like, I've got to make my guitars sound like this, like, this is great, like, he sounds amazing, he's doing all these, like, sludgy riffs, um, and obviously he's very inspired by, like, Carnival, um, and so, like, Mastodon, so there's, you know, all these kind of guitar influences coming in. Um, and then on the keyboard side, it's a little bit more abstract. There's just an infinite number of influences, you know, I'm a huge fan of Rick Waitman, um, I'm a huge fan of Diego Tejeda from Haken. Uh, I'm a huge fan of all the stuff Adam Holzman has done with Stephen Wilson. You know, the keys work and the synth work on Hank and Ray is, is like, yes. just ridiculously sublime. Like, it's it's so fantastic. It's so good. 
Yeah, it, there's something about, like, somebody who can switch back and forth between, like, more, like, in the lead and then just, uh, like, background textural stuff that is just insane. Uh, <laughs> it, it makes an entire album uh, with, like, even just background layering and, and like, sound effects and stuff on, on a, from a good keyboardist. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, also, a huge, huge Devin Townsend fan, and I love how thick his mixes get, how much he throws in there, and you can kind of hear it over his career um, over the past 20 years. They've kind of gotten thicker and thicker and thicker. You know, you listen to some of the stuff in Ocean Machine, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a lot of the playing isn't that complicated. You know, he's not trying to show off. Um, and you compare that with, you know, Empath and... You know, just, I mean, that album is insane. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. And there's so much going on. And there's so many different layers. Um, but yeah, I think that the thing that really inspired me from him was when he was doing, like, a kind of behind the mix of um, Transcendence. And he was showing, like, oh, these are the backing vocals. And I was sat there like, I never, like, I've never heard that section before. <laughs> like, there's just so... Like, his his uh, mixing sessions are insane. He has hundreds of tracks of, like, tiny little things of backing vocals, and then there's orchestral, and then there's a choir, and then there's keyboards, and there's, like, ten guitars at the same time playing slightly different things, and they're all, like, they're all just hidden in there. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the uh, like, back like the vocal doubling is insane because he does like almost 10 tracks per like vocal line and he just like condenses them and then keeps recording on top of it and he has a very unique way of like mixing an album as well where he like kind of masters as he goes and then like exports it to a a track so it's like condensed and then he keeps adding and adding and adding and i guess when you do like hundreds of layers of stuff you almost have to or your computer's just gonna explode (laughs) (laughs) yeah no like um so i've well partly pandemic partly budget but um, i did pretty much all the recording at home um any things that weren't were drums uh which went out to uh a mate of mine in canada yeah i i i really struggled to write conceptually you know growing up um, you know, my English teacher would tell me, plan your essay, you know, write out a structure, what you want to do before you write it. And I'm just like, nope, I'm just going to start writing. I'm just <laughs> yep. going to go. Um, and that's kind of the same approach I've had to writing this as well. It's just, all right, I'm going to record a guitar part and then I'm going to write the bass and I'm just going to record it. So I've got the actual sound, you know, I'm not looking at a tab file or a writing down a, a manuscript. It's like, I want to just get the music in my ears even if it's 20% mixed and the guitars sound terrible. Um, <laughs> you just start building that idea of the end product as early on as possible. Um, and for me, I find that really useful to kind of help visualize the end goal, you know. That's how I work too. Just, you know, I don't have like a storyboard or structure or anything. I just start writing and hope that I find it along the way. <laughs> I always get a like such a spark of joy when I see that an artist's visual image doesn't quite line up with the stereotypes of their music and you bring that absolutely to the table with your like white telly guitar and giant 80s sunglasses seen in your music (laughs) videos uh is was this uh an intentional move or uh did it just sort of happen (laughs) uh it just sort of happened 
<laughs> yeah, it's not, um, it wasn't all too intentional. Like, the um, guitar, I'm actually not a huge fan of. Um, it's a Chris Shiflet signature guitar. Um, and if you can tell me what band he plays guitar for, you get 10 points. <laughs> he is the um, he's the third guitarist in the Foo Fighters. Like, oh, oh man, that's like that name rings a bell. I should know this. R Rogan and I should really know this <laughs> to be in charge of this podcast. <laughs> I just yeah, no, I remember looking at it in the shop and I was like, who is this? And I'm like, I listen to a lot of Foo Fighters, and I was like, wow, okay, that's well. If any listeners knew that, then give yourself a big pat on the back right now. <laughs> yeah, but that, no, it was all kind of accidental. The um, the interesting part as well is that side of the music video. So you can kind of, there's two sort of videos that are blended together. Uh, that was recorded in June this year. And then the other side of it was recorded, I think, in Oct September, October last year. Mm. Um, because we kind of got this first edit back of the video and it was good, but we were kind of like, just looking at it and it was like, it, it felt a bit plain, it was lacking a bit of energy. So we kind of ended up doing that second filming session. And I think, because I was like, this, this you know, video was holding up the whole of the release and I was like, I've just got to do it. Like, so I think maybe there was a, yeah, it was maybe four days, I think, before we de I decided to film that extra segment. So it was very like, what's in stock on ASOS like what can, what can I get like very quickly and <laughs> hope works so uh yeah there wasn't a lot of thought put into it but um I'm super pleased with the aesthetic and how it came out okay so we do need to kind of start wrapping up but I really want to talk about this one thing I know that I've had my fair share of struggles as a female in the prog rock scene and I'm sure every interview you have is going to bring this up because you and I were like unicorns, but I have to ask about it anyway. <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience as a female solo artist and also what's your advice for any girls in the scene or who are looking to join the industry? Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's not only being a woman, but it's also being young. Like I mm -hmm. remember going to some Steve Hackett concerts with my dad um a while ago and just looking around and i was like i'm not only like one of about four women here i'm like the youngest person by about 40 years here yeah um and it's yeah it's 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 very surreal to be on the outside but um i will say so as well as making music um i also uh run a sort of reviews website called podcast um and one of the features we did uh, in June this year for Pride Month was to get a list of um, LGBT musicians in the prog scene because um, I did some googling and I was like are there any? because um, we were discussing it on a um, an online forum yeah I did a bit of research and um, I struggled yeah <laughs> but then um, yeah I started to put out some feelers and I started to talk to a couple of PR firms I knew and just trying to gauge a, a snapshot of the industry and it turns out, like, there is, like, there are people in the younger side of the scene. Maybe not um, as prominent as some of the bigger bands, but, you know, we exist. We're here. We're doing things. <laughs> you know, um, the Anchoress, I think, has been a solo artist that's been really successful in the last year. Um, 
But to be honest, I haven't actually listened to her album, but I have seen a lot of press about her getting into the charts and all sorts of stuff, so that's definitely a, uh, a success story in recent years. But I'd, I'd just say do if, if you're interested in being an artist in this genre, like, just start and, and do it, because if, if, if you don't do it, like, who will, you know? Right. So you got to do it and give it a go. And yeah, like, maybe it won't work. But at least, like, at least people are trying, you know, don't be put off by the kind of the masculine energy that a lot of the bands put off because, especially in the listenership, there is a split, like, women are interested in the genre, you know? It's... As a female listener of the genre, I would love to see more females, female <laughs> artists, so hopefully that adds to your inspirational oh, yeah. speech. Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first step to, uh, like, changing everything. Like, if you have that dream, like, who who cares if what you put out there first doesn't work? And, like, as long as you love it and are keeping going, then uh, it's... I, I, I think we've talked about, like, theory of large numbers before. Like, the more you do, the more you're going to learn. And the more you put out, the more chances there are of, of people finding it and thinking it's good and you thinking it's it's good. And yeah, we talked to Charlie Robbins about this. Like, the, the first thing is that you love what you put out. So it has to get past you first to go into the scene. And then who cares what anybody else thinks? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I don't know if you... Links in the description and stuff, but I, I'm pretty sure I've got a women in prog playlist on Spotify. <gasps> do you? We do have links in the description, in fact. And I'm just gonna go look up this playlist right now for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, definitely send us that, and we will put it in. And anybody looking for yeah, woman in prog, check out the description below. I taste woman in prog. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is it. Aha! I did it. I found it. Okay. Yeah, from the um, Proc Discord. That's just for my little collection <laughs> for later. Yeah, I think that, that yeah, the, the requirements was just that there was at least one woman in the band. So some of these might be a bit metal heavy, but I can see Emma Ruth Rindle in there and some others that are quite like, have some good vocals. Like some of the Devon Townsend stuff has um, mm. a new one. Uh, oh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of her name. <laughs> <laughs> a new one like Husenberg? Yeah. Also, oh, man, I, like... I definitely don't know. <laughs> yes. Oh, but she's fantastic. Um, but anyways, thank you so much for coming on, Grace. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, no, thanks for me. And we would like to thank you so much for listening to this edition of Spotlight. If you enjoyed the episode or learned something new, please subscribe. If you'd like to hear more interviews and get more prog rock content, you can become a special Prognotes patron at patreon.com slash prognotes. Also, come join our Discord community, a chat room for all prog rock fans and fans of the show. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. All of these links are in this episode's description. Join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of prog rock. Destin and Drew will be back with another episode on the 15th. See you on Discord. Thank you.